Well, good morning. I'm Rick Ivey, and I'm the senior pastor here. And if you're visiting, we're glad that you come to visit with us today. Just out of curiosity, any of y'all hit the lotto? No? Yeah, me neither. Well, it is, uh, it's always fun, isn't it? If any of y'all have played the lotto, or you got a friend who does, or a coworker, it's always amazing to me every time when they start talking about how they're going to spend their billions. And I, I know I'm a little bit cynical at times, but, you know, inevitably they say, and then I'm going to give part of it to charity or my church or, or something worthwhile. You know, they, don't they always say that? Or they even, they even tell God, right? God, if I win, you know I'm going to take care of you, right? And, uh, but it's always just fun, you know, especially if you know them and you know that there's just no way that they would ever do anything like that because you look at their life then and they, they don't do anything to help other people and they're saying, however, but things would change if I just had more, right? And I, I know that we, we oftentimes think the same thing, but uh, we are going to look a little bit today at a, a powerful story of, of King David and it's found in Second Chronicles chapter 29 and we'll look at it for just a moment, but just want to just to pause today and um, October's almost over we're moving on into uh, celebrating the fall festival on Wednesday but after that you know how it goes Thanksgiving will be like in an hour from now right and then Christmas right after that and uh, I just want to pause and, and encourage you just take a moment and just ask yourself a simple question how are things between me and God and how are things with your heart and God and I know that we oftentimes think, well, you know, I showed up to church, I'm here, and uh, obviously things are going okay, but I, I've found over the years that church is one of the easiest places for people to hide from God. That they show up, and they go through the steps, and they go through the motions, and they never really connect with the Almighty. And so I just want to ask you to, to pause for a moment and, and just, just think about that and reflect on that for just a, for a bit. Because it may be the case that, you know, things aren't so good. Maybe your, your life is pretty overwhelmed right now by um, the many emotions or the struggles that you have in your life. It may be that you're far from God because your heart's filled with things like anger or envy or lust or, or greed, hatred toward other people. Maybe you've got a real beef with somebody in your life and um, you can't let go of it. Maybe you've got some hurts, some fears. And um, I, I know that's not easy for us to admit that or to think about those things, but I think it's so important that we're honest about it. And maybe not only do you need to tell that to yourself today, but maybe find somebody later to call and talk with about that as well. And, and I bring that up because in the passage we're about to read today, we find somebody whose heart is like completely and utterly surrendered to God. In a moment, we're going to hear the story of David, and, and he's the, the man after God's own heart, that he, he loves God completely. He fulfills that commandment of loving God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And when we pick up in the passage, we're going to be at a place where David's at the end of his life. And David has had a fantastic life. He's been a great king. But David's also had a lot of struggles as well. He's had some major moral failings. Um, he has caused people to lose their life. He's done all sorts of things that he's not proud of, yet 
his story is so great because he's experienced the grace and the love of God and it leaves him at a place at the end of his life where he's just really, really thankful for what God has done. And I don't know about you, but you know, when I think about my life and where it's headed, man, I, I pray for the same sort of thing. I pray for God to have a firm hold on my heart to make sure that of greatest significance and greatest importance in my life is God. That there's other things in this world that are shiny and they're, they're great to look at, they're attractive, they, we think to ourselves we want to own them, but at the end of the day, is there, there really anything that matters more than knowing God, knowing God's love, having Him in our lives? And if you've experienced a taste of that, just a small taste of that, you know what a powerful effect that has on your life. And so, I want to see each of us, as we, we move forward in life, to fulfill what John Wesley put as holiness of heart and life. That every aspect of our lives, from our hearts to the way we live our lives, is filled with God. Completely filled by God's holiness, by His love, by His mercy, and that we're continually being freed from sin and loving God more and more. So let's look at what that, that ultimate goal of our life might be in just one small way. And in Chronicles chapter 29, we find that David is towards the end of his life, and he's got one last thing he wants to see accomplished, which is the building of the temple so that his people can worship. And David also says, I've got a son named Solomon who's going to be a great king as well, but he's not old enough, and I'm really concerned about the next generation, like you and I probably are. And so he says, I'm going to, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give. And uh, he gives all of his gold and his silver or a substantial amount of it. Uh, all kinds of precious stones, marble, anything you can think of. And if you do the math, uh, in today's numbers, the amount of money he gives toward this building projects is $6 billion. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems like a large amount of money, right? $6 billion. I know some of y'all have beaten that before, but, but $6 billion, well, you know, a substantial amount of money. And he does so... And the result is that not only does he celebrate in what God is doing, but it also inspires other people to do the same. Uh, many of the people that are part of his, his tribe, his nation, they begin to give money also, make contributions, so that they're able to build the temple, which becomes one of the marvels of the ancient world. And uh, people travel from all over the known world to come and see it, it helps the city of Jerusalem to prosper, and it gives a place where people can come to know God in amazing ways. And so it's a, a beautiful thing, and you would think if you gave $6 billion, uh, you'd be pretty proud of yourself. Yet when you see David's prayer here in a moment, uh, it's very humble. What is his first words that we read today? He says, who am I? You know, who am I that that God would allow me to be king? Who is God that, I mean, who am I that God would allow me to be part of this great thing that he's doing? He says, who am I and, and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly? Isn't that neat? That they're able to offer so willingly. You and I sometimes struggle with giving, right? Many of y'all's uh, friends aren't here because you texted him early on or like, Code Green, he's talking about giving today. Right? And... Uh, but they're, they're giving willingly. And what does that mean? 
that they had billions to give? No. They're probably just like us. But the difference is their heart. You know, the joy that's filling their hearts, the, the hope that's in their hearts, and they're able to give willingly. No compulsion, no dog and pony show. I don't think David broke out the PowerPoint, right? He just said, let's do this. Let's, let's see what God can do with this great temple. He says, who am I and who are my people that they should be able to offer so willingly? So everything comes from you. We have given you that which comes from your hand. Do you all recognize that today? You know, that everything that we have comes from God? Would you agree with that? There's certainly many people that would say, no, I, I worked for it. I scrimped for it. I, I kept it. I, you know, I worked hard for what I have. And yet, really when it comes down to it, it's not a matter of how much we have that God cares about. It's, it's our heart, no matter what the amount might be. There was a movie that came out last year. Have y'all seen um, All the Money in the World? I don't know why more people haven't heard of this film. It's about John Paul Getty and how one of his grandchildren got kidnapped. And it was uh, the star of it is Christopher Plummer. Um, and it has Mark Wahlberg. Y'all at least know who Mark Wahlberg is, right? And uh, it's about John Paul Getty, who at the time that he was living was the wealthiest person in the world. His grandson got kidnapped, and he refused to pay the ransom. You know, even though he had billions of dollars, he refused to pay the ransom because he said, well, I've got other grandkids. You know, this is going to cost me a lot of money. And in the movie portrayal, Mark Wahlberg goes to him. He's Getty's assistant. And he asks the question. He says, why don't you just pay the ransom? Why don't you just pay it? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be anything to you. You've got billions. Just, just pay it. And he says, no, I can't do that. And Wahlberg, you know, in the movie, I don't know if this ever happened in real life, but he asked him, he says, you've got everything. Well, how much more do you need? He said, more. And you and I, when we think about what we have, the first word that doesn't come to mind is, is greed, right? Greed is a sin of other people. We're willing to admit that we sometimes get angry or some of our smaller sins, but as Tim Keller pointed out, we never admit to greed because always we think to ourselves, what we have is exactly what we need, right? Uh, Y'all can think about that for a moment, all right. Y'all don't look sold on this notion. Um, but what we see in David is this, this amazing generosity, this openness of heart and life, this willingness to give everything he has because he's seeing it and he says, everything that you, you have given me, I, I've gotten from you. Everything comes from your hand. If you don't agree with this, uh, if you don't understand that everything you have, all your skills, all your abilities, all the life that you have is from God, then uh, just take one thing, like your breath, and try and hold it. Let me know how long you can keep it. Please don't pass out trying to prove me wrong. You know, everything we have comes from God. And he goes on, he says, To be sure, we, will all, we are like our ancestors, immigrants without permanent homes. You know, we're, we're just passing through. We're like immigrants uh, that don't have permanent homes. We are here today, gone tomorrow. Nothing we own currently or everything that we have is, is a gift from God. We don't get to keep it, right? And it says, uh, Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build your temple for you, your holy name, comes from your hand and belongs to you. All right, and it's such a powerful thing, right? And I know that, that many times you might suggest that really what I get excited about in this passage is the notion of people giving billions of dollars, but it's not even close to it. 
That's not close to what I'm excited about in this passage. I mean, the reality is that sometimes you'll hear, you know, talks in churches about giving money, and they really portray it as, oh, your poor little God, your tiny little insignificant God needs your money, right? Maybe not this church. Other churches you've been a part of. Your poor, tiny, little, weak God can't do anything without your money. But brothers and sisters, my God is all-powerful, almighty. The cattle on a thousand hills are his, and even the hills belong to God. He doesn't need our money. What he invites us to do is to be part of what God is doing in this world, right? Don't leave here thinking that God is so tiny and insignificant that nothing's going to get done if you don't contribute in some way or another. In fact, God will make all things happen, bring about the bringing of the new heavens and the new earth. He is the one who's bringing about our salvation of our hearts and our lives and our world. And so please don't think for a moment that God can't take care of things on God's own. What you need to do is rejoice and celebrate that you get to be a part of what God is doing in the world. Rejoice! and what God has called you to be a part of and celebrate that. Now, I say all that with the recognition that that was not always the case for me. Uh, I don't know how it went for you, but growing up, uh, my dad would sometimes give me a dollar bill in worship, and I would place the dollar bill in the plate. And I kept on doing that all the way through high school, got into college, and when I went to church in college, which was very rare, brothers and sisters, very rare, but when I did, you know, if I thought the sermon was good, I would go all the way up to five bucks, right? There you go, Lord. Good job. And um, that really didn't change until I talked with a campus minister, and he said, Rick, do you realize that there's no way on earth that if we all gave a dollar that we could afford to have a, a church that did anything? We couldn't even pay the light bill if everybody just kind of tipped a dollar to God. And I said, well, that's a good point. Uh, what is it that you think I should do about it? And... Um, he suggested at the time that we work, I work toward tithing. Now, uh, tithing is 10%, and uh, if you want to argue with me that that's an Old Testament passage, then read Matthew 23, 23, and then we'll go have lunch. You can pay, all right? Um, and he said, you should tithe. And I said, well, that sounds like a great idea. And so I started working on giving, but I didn't even get close to 10% when it came to that. Now, hands down, the greatest gift God ever gave me when it came to giving money to the church or anything that mattered is my wife. And I remember having a conversation early on in our, our marriage, and I told her, well, I mean, the Bible says tithing, but uh, why don't we just look at it in terms of I'm a pastor, and um, we'll just say that my time is my tithe. Doesn't that sound great? She didn't. She thought it sounded really bad. She said, show me in the Bible where it says that. Show me in the Bible where it says pastors don't have to tithe. And I said, well, it's clearly in First Hesitations chapter 3, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so we began working our way uh, toward tithing, right? And we, you know, got percentage point, percentage point over the years, working our way out of credit card debt, working our way on our student loans, paying for three kids, you know, those kinds of things. And, and slowly but surely, we finally got to a place where we got to 10%, then we moved beyond. And now, uh, everything that we earn, any kind of income we get from gifts to windfalls, whatever, at least 10% of that goes to our church. When I moved here, you know, many of y'all have decades of history with this church, but when I moved here, we started tithing to this church, right? And uh, that has been the case for us, that we just do that. 
And it's such a beautiful and a wonderful discipline because not only do we get to see God's using our lives and our resources to make such a huge difference in this community, uh, but it also continues to show us in our hearts what matters most. And that's a beautiful gift. Because Jesus put it clearly. He said, you know, your rival God in this world, your rival God is going to be money. That is going to be number two and trying to be number one in your life all the way along the way. It is going to continue to try and show you that it's more important and more valuable than me. And Jesus said, you cannot have two masters. You can only serve one and hate the other. You, you cannot serve both God and money. And so tithing is one of the ways that we get to see God at work in our lives, that he is freeing us, that he is saving us, that he is helping us and doing amazing things with our money that we never would have imagined. You know, our money, because we're part of a Methodist church, goes all the way around the world, making huge impact. And so it's a, a beautiful and a wonderful thing to be a part of. And I, I hope you will learn the same thing. And um, just as a quick note, you know, if you don't even like the idea of giving to the church for whatever reason, then, then, then work your way into generosity. Work your way into tithing in a generous way uh, and find something that you can be okay with giving to. Go, go help Boys Haven or Girls Haven or United Methodist Committee on, on Relief, okay? I'm not doing this for this church. Like I said, God has got us covered. God will do the amazing and mighty things that God always does. So it, don't let that be an excuse for you. Too many times I've bumped into people that would say that. They say, I just don't think the church does a good thing with my money. That's not between. Oh, we'll get into that in a minute. All right. So how do you do it? Um, tithing. Give 10%. Uh, just imagine for a moment that you are a pumpkin farmer and um, your year's produce was 10 pumpkins. You failed horribly. You're not going to be able to, anyways. Uh, Y'all can laugh a little. All right, just, just try it. You, you, you know, you, you brought in 10 pumpkins. And so if you were going to tithe, if you're going to give back to God what God has given you, uh, how many pumpkins is that that you're going to give God? There's my math whiz. One pumpkin, right? That's what you're going to contribute. In the Old Testament, you know, you would give your best, you give your best sheep, your best whatever, and you would give from the first. And you would say, that's my tithe, that's my, my tenth. And then what about the rest of this? Yeah. It's all yours, right? And if you're smart, you're going to set apart some for your taxes, right? Some for your savings. And then you're going to give some to help out with the poor. But the rest of it is yours. And the reason that many people don't give that is because they think to themselves, you know, even though God's shown up for me, even though God has gotten me this far, then I don't know if God will be there tomorrow. But if you will practice this, if you will work your way into this, you'll be amazed at the way that God shows up each and every day to provide you with that daily bread that you need. Uh, how often should you give? Um, I, I, I would say regularly. Um, many times people, you know, fill out their pledge card and then they wait until December to fulfill it. And uh, we're thankful for that. But... You can kind of think about it in this way. If you had sat around on the couch and watched TV or you stared at your phone for 11 months and then one day you decided you were going to go and uh, run a marathon, 
Uh, you might get a little bit down the road and all of a sudden your body would start to give out on you, begin to hate you, you begin to hate life. Uh, and then the next day you'd be so sore that you would ponder calling the doctor and asking for pain meds, right? Is that just me? Y'all, anyways. And so uh, being able to give on a regular basis, weekly, monthly, and, and being able to see that because it continues that relationship with God and keeps your heart in the right place with God. Um, so those are the things that I would encourage you to do, but primarily, you know, what I want you to take home today and what I want you to think about is just uh, how your giving reflects your heart. What matters most? What is of greatest significance to you? What is it that you believe to be of the greatest importance in this life? And because that is what you will give your resources to. That is what you will give your time to. That is what will ultimately show you who you belong to and what matters most. And as um, a way to finish this out, uh, this is the day that we're going to fill out pledge cards. If you're visiting with us, there's inevitably visitors that show up on pledge card day. Um, I don't really expect you to fill one out. You can just say praying for you or God bless you or, or you can fill out a pledge card. I'm not going to stop you. Uh, but we're going to fill out pledge cards today. I'm going to go ahead and invite the ushers to start handing them out. Hopefully they haven't wandered off too far. And uh, they're going to hand out the pledge cards. And there are two spaces on the card today that I need to talk to you about. The first is for uh, your pledge for next year. And the pledges help us set our budget for next year. It's a great tool for that. Um, and you are going to fill out that line. And then there's a second line that's on there that is for a specific fund. And that fund is to help us uh, replace the air conditioner in the sanctuary and the sound system in the sanctuary. The air conditioner over there is uh, about 13, 14 years old. It's time to replace it. And it's going to cost us $80,000 to replace it. Okay? If you don't believe me, I can show you the bids tomorrow. $80,000. And the other thing that we have to replace in that building is the sound system. Uh, because, believe it or not, it's important for people to be able to hear us in there. And uh, it's gone bad. The speakers have worn out. We just need to replace those. And so that second fund is $150,000 that will go toward the air conditioner and then the sound system as well. All right, uh, what I would like for you to do is to go ahead and fill out those pledge cards. And when you are done, uh, you're invited to place them in the envelope. And you can either bring them forward and place them up here on this altar area, or you can hand them to one of the ushers. Either way, I want to go ahead and lead you in prayer as you fill out your card. Let's pray. Almighty and Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this day. It is a day that you created. We thank you that you have let us be a part of this generous church, uh, one that has such a huge impact on this community, and one that will continue to be a blessing to generations to come. We ask in this time that you would help and lead our guide and thoughts this day as we um, look at the question of how much is it that we can offer to you next year, and how can we help with the, the building repairs that need to happen. And gracious God, we thank you for all that you've given us, and, and we thank you for this chance to give back to you. 